Hello there. Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. My name is Justin. Oh, Hi, hey. Guys. Oh, hello there, Justin. How I you doing? Good. I can't remember if I brushed my teeth this morning. It's been like one of those days. Give me a sound effect. <laughs> Hit me with it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Justin, right off the bat. Uh, how are those teeth, though? Seriously. I, yeah, they're fine. Okay, good. They're working solid yeah. I, You got to brush your teeth now because you, you trimmed your mustache. People can see those teeth. That's right. You're putting the teeth on Front Street now, cutting the mustache down. Well, um, thanks for not saying anything, guys. Well, you know, actually, didn't want to say. You anything. know, your teeth put the work in. I know you had braces for a long time, but your teeth are basically perfect. Now. Wow, yeah, wow, they, they're, they're perfect. Choppers, hot, eight, choppers, like eight, almost eight years of braces. Mm. Eight years. My teeth are jacked up. I, uh, I lived in a trailer for a brief time, uh, oh. and uh, it looked like it. It, it looked like I had lived there for a longer amount of time. Hmm. Oh my! Wow. That's uh, that's interesting, and I'm glad to hear that you uh, come from humble beginnings and oh, can appreciate you. the teeth uh, that the good Lord has now infused. How are you doing? Skull and cranium. <laughs> How are you guys I, doing? Everything's good? I'm doing great. No, uh, no my, leaks? my teeth, not as pearly white and straight as yours, Damn. but I love them anyway. I brush them anyway. Uh, maybe not as often as I should. I, you know, I don't know. Nowadays with the mask, you can kind of walk around with the... Little bit, of, little bit of the old rib tips sticking out of the chompers. You and know, then you got to recycle your own breath. You know, you got to. Yeah, you well, know. yeah, that's true. The masks have made me aware of my breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think to myself, maybe I should go home and brush the old teeth. Or you know, I think maybe I should get that for lunch again tomorrow. You know, either way. I go. Oh, did I step in something? Yeah. Oh no, it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I could stew in that sour. Did I step in something and eat it? Oh boy, that's whoa. Uh, yeah, no, but seriously, um, uh, what's going on though, Tom? The weekend update. What's right. going on? So uh, we were hanging out yesterday, the three of us, and I, I told you guys about. Uh, Are you sure it was me? I know it was you. I'm trying um, to keep you guys on your toes. So I told you about an email that came in for work uh, about a problem uh, regarding one of the freelancers I had hired. Not for heavy hole. Not we don't, for heavy yeah, hole. We, we're not. I'm at explaining. That point yet. I'm explaining <laughs> a certain feeling I have right now yeah. that most people. I wish for most people. Uh, long story short, I was able to chew someone out professionally. Huh. And craft an email that has basically made Kurt Vonnegut look like a beginner. A warcraft of an email. Yes. Um, just ripping someone apart on a professional level that totally deserved it. Like a corporate tar- uh, target mosh. Yeah. It was yeah. It was such a great feeling. And I just, if you have that opportunity, take advantage of it. Take your time. <laughs> write, write the response in Word. Yeah. Think about it and then paste it. And kicking someone's ass with word is just fantastic and i'm riding that wave right now that's why i'm really happy amazing as long as you keep it on wax yes yeah i don't want to see this spill over into the real world like all these other hip-hop beefs it's no, almost no. like what our listeners can do uh by calling the heavy hole vent line uh, you can- uh, is this why you're wearing a bandana <laughs> i forgot <laughs> i, I know, mean you, maybe you're getting a little too into this this is like this guy this guy types up a, a, a harshly worded email to a colleague and he comes in wearing a bandana and a beanie the next day <laughs> guys i am this slow, is my identity. Yeah, slow down. This is who I am now. But please call me at 631-837-3274 and outword me. Yeah. The, <laughs> the bird man of Heavy Hole Podcast over here. I don't yes. want to. This guy. It's crazy, man. Yeah, careful now. I'm very sensitive and I could get insulted and you might find something nasty in your inbox. I'm I, joking around. I'm joking. How's I the weekend? always put respect on your name. Yes. Okay, sir. Thank you. Uh, this, yeah, this is not Hot 97. We put respect on your name up. Um... 
I, I'm doing okay. I did see you guys. Yes, that was me yesterday. Cliffhanger. <laughs> I, I I know I left you guys on a bit of a cliffhanger. If you were wondering, God. Yeah, I sometimes I send over my my um, my body double. I, I mm-hmm. he's out there. Who's in my house? Yeah, you know yeah. you'll never know. Who? Yeah, whose house? Will's <laughs> house. Um, uh, I went to Rock and Roll Gas Station Studios on Saturday. Shout out to the boys out there. There it is. Uh, uh, nice young men. Glad to see my friends over there. Afterbirth, mysterious project. Uh, I did a little IG live uh, when I was warming up my vocals and Keith was warming up his drum chops. Uh, you could go check out on, on our Heavy Hole podcast, IGTV. Uh, great, great time over there at the Rock and Roll Gas Station. Um, one thing though, Justin, did we ask you about your weekend? Sure did. I'm nervous. I got to make sure we did. Oh no, we're I, good. Like now, that's on the checklist nowadays. Yeah, no, we're fine. All we're right, because we can't neglect people nowadays. You got to keep your friends in mind. Um, Justin, you talked a little bit about humble beginnings. Yeah, living in the trailer park on Long Island, New York. Yes. Uh, not in Manhattan or the Bronx or the, or any of the five boroughs that we celebrate and love our neighbors out there, but we're not in New York City. No, people we're might not realize that trailer park culture exists out here. Going east, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, going, yeah, heading east. Uh, Tom, you're yes. you're wearing gang color. I, I got we got to have like a, a scared straight thing with Tom now. He's he's a little too aggressive. Okay, this, all right? I'm into it. It's yeah. still me. Yeah, it's still me, guys. All I'm right, still fumbling through my words. But like, you're uh, you're my Tom. friend. I, I I get it. You're my friend. Now, a, a friend that I want to connect with, uh, catch up with, keep in touch with. Also from humble beginnings like us here, Suffolk County, Long Island. Mm, shout out. Um, uh, uh, I don't know that he wears um, bandanas. I, I don't, I'm not going to work that in a segue, Tom. Mm. You're 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 living some sort of crazy street life right now. Shout out. Interesting bandanas on sale. But but we're gonna we're gonna talk to uh, somebody who's um, of a of a of a rough and tumble, hardened background, and maybe he'll set you straight. Uh, on your on the path, you should be more straight, Tom. We're gonna call up uh, Long Island's original OG doom metal hardcore core crossover caveman Mikey Stack, old friend of mine. Oh, uh, friend of the program. Yeah, we're gonna call him. Uh, I got a number here that I wrote down on the back of a McDonald's napkin, and it's for a payphone in Center Reach on Middle Country Road behind a uh, behind that McDonald's. I think I got some dimes here. Yeah, call, yeah, call up that payphone, and when a guy answers, tell him to go get Mikey. Okay. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Yeah, jingle, jingle. Yeah, I got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle, cowboy. Call him up. Will, I hope you can check your email on that payphone. <laughs> Hello, Google, do I have any messages? Do I have any electronic you, messages? I mean, technically, you probably could nowadays, right? Like. podcast this is big will join with me uh as always my my faithful co-hosts tom and justin are here hello tonight's guest mikey stack vocalist of false gods uh full disclosure longtime uh friend of mine and um uh, a great guy how you doing mike all right how's everybody doing i'm doing okay yeah i'm good good. hanging out justin tom how are you i'm doing well for a monday Uh, how justin tom he asked how are you guys doing not so bad, you know. You okay? Um, yeah, I'm doing the Monday uh, Yingling. 
Okay. That's, that's, that's what we're doing here. As opposed to the Sunday Miller Miller High Life and yes. orange juice or whatever that was yesterday. <laughs> and, yeah. and Justin, what about you over there? Drinking the, I'm drinking the hangover away. Right okay, now. good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm trying I, to get back to normal. We don't always check in with Justin I'm and an Tom. And then I start going, and then it doesn't stop for an hour, so I'm glad we got that out of the way. Thanks hey, for pacing. But, yeah. God damn it. Thank you. <laughs> My, uh, Finally. Really because cause we're keeping it local tonight. Mikey... Uh, like I said, full disclosure, um, you and I have been friends for a long time. We've played a lot of shows together with our various bands. Um, you've babysat my drummer from Buckshot Facelift. I've babysat my drummer from Buckshot Facelift. <laughs> yeah. Fergus, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, but I, I got to treat this like a formal interview because I really want to share the story with the fans and, and my personal perspective on False Gods. It's been a long journey that I've watched you and your, your really your family members and your friends and your bandmates on. Um, uh, to come to 2020 with uh, No Symmetry, Only Disillusion, uh, produced by Colin Marston, your latest full length with False Gods. And we'll get to all that, but uh, I don't know if, if the listeners um, have developed an acute taste for the Long Island accent yet, but Mike, you're, you're from Long Island, right? Yeah, absolutely. My whole entire existence been here. <laughs> awesome, man. I don't know if you want to get too personal, but what, what town are you originally from? Uh, well, I was—I mean, I—I I was born in St. Charles over in Port Jeff, okay. but uh, I mean, I lived in Selden when I was like a, a little little kid. But then, obviously, when my parents kind of went their separate ways, I lived up in Selden for a little while, back and forth from there in Lindenhurst. You know, my grandma's with my dad, and then uh. Then really after that, it was kind of an all-over type situation. I was in, you know, I was in Brentwood for a little while. I was in Shirley for a little while. I was in, like, Setauket for a little while. And then, you know, Ronkonkoma. But, like, I, so I never really, you know, I, there was no specific town that I was actually, like, from, you know, that from inception to fucking today. That I consider myself really a part of this, so I'm basically I'm just like a product of the entire island. Wow, Suffolk County, Suffolk County in, in particular. Yeah, that makes yeah. so much sense, man. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And and a lot of most of the places you mentioned for people that aren't from the area, uh, will just say are um, very hardworking, uh, blue collar in uh, environments. Uh, Mikey, I, I know you've you've been around and, and you've probably seen a few things. Um, now let's let's talk about Selden in particular because that I I'm fascinated by that. I got a lot of friends over the years from the area. I know you and okay. your crew crew of uh, friends and, and family through the through the years. And you know Suffolk County because a lot of people that that listen to the show they're not from Long Island they're not from New York they don't know the area they think that we're all living in Manhattan taking the subway every night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lo- Long Island's a different <laughs> dish. It's it's suburban to more rural. Uh, and there's a lot of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like, like uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like like a, a suburban wasteland, uh, an America in decline kind of vibe where we're from. Lot, you know what, you know what okay. I'm saying? Like, like, strip, like, like strip malls. Almost like a borderline dystopia. Well, well, you know, I'm talking about strip malls. I'm talking about Middle Country yeah. Road. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Knuckle I'm, Dragon. I, don't, what I mean, <laughs> Mikey, I mean, as, as the Suffolk County man, am I being fair? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. It sounds fair. It's got it's got its own special kind of. You know what it is? I think it has a special vibe that you don't really realize that the vibe is there until you're a little older. 
you know, and you get out and see other places a little more, and you're like, oh, maybe I am from kind of like this weird fucking special place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we are like New Long Island, New York's version of Gummo. I I don't know. It's hard to say, <laughs> but but um, uh, uh, well, what I want to get into is, you, you know, it's funny as you mentioned Selden, then you mentioned Lindenhurst, and that to me is two distinct regions of Long Island hardcore in the nineties. Uh, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, because long because when I think of Lindenhurst. Uh, uh, that's a distinct scene. Silent Majority was from around that way, if I'm not mistaken. The Glass Jaw, you know, a lot of those bands. Mm -hmm. And then Selden, uh, are, you're more from like Tension's neck of the wood, right? Well, Tension was, that's more, that's like Shirley. That's out east a little farther Yeah, is 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 the Tension. You know what I mean? That's the Yapank Shirley out there, Longwood, you know what I mean? School District. That's, that's, a, that's it's a little more east than Selden. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so let me let me ask you this then to try to uh, uh, peel into the beginnings. Um, when do you st or, or or actually because I know you and I want to get into this too. What comes first, uh, uh, extreme music, whether it's punk, hardcore, metal, whatever, or a fascination with comic books and movies? Uh, probably probably the com probably the comic books really is the beginning, only because my dad. <laughs> was he wasn't so much into like the entire realm of comic books but he for some reason he had a fascination with thor so i remember going into my garage at my grandmother's house and there was thor comics everywhere you know okay. and i used to just go through his thor comics and read his thor comics and then beyond that i remember i was in uh like of like second grade or third grade or something like that, and I saw uh, like was there like a like a kids magazine called like Rocket Raccoon or something like that? I forget the Rick, fucking name. I of think it. it was. Uh, well, I know there was Ranger Rick. Was it maybe? Yeah, maybe it was Ranger Rick. Now yeah. I think, uh, but that might be it. something. I knew it's double R something. Yeah, and I remember Ra there was an advertisement in it for fucking X Men. And then I was like, that looks fucking crazy. So that is when I, you know, I was, it was when I, in Lindenhurst with my dad, around, there was Bailey's Comics right around the, uh, you know, right around the block basically from his house. So I went there and I just started, you know, buying up X-Men comics and all, and you know, and then it kind of exploded from there to the, to the Wolverine and the, and the, the amazing Spider-Man and all of that. And that was, you know, in like maybe third or like second or third grade and then uh around that same time you know like that was kind of when i uh you know like started listen i mean everybody kind of starts out with the, with the bullshit fucking you know with the deaf leopard and all of that stuff when you're a little kid <laughs> and then and then you know over time it evolves to you know from one fucking deaf leopard album it evolves into listening to you know rain of blood you know <laughs> overnight so somehow. It, it all, yeah yeah exactly i woke up with a def leppard record and next thing i know uh under my pillow is fucking south to heaven you know the, the slayer fairy but, <laughs> but you know so it, it, i mean it all it was all basically at the same time just being uh you know just a curious kid about all this stuff in the world you know comics and heavy metal and shit like that so, so Thor, you brought me back just now. I had a flashback of that movie. I don't know if you remember Adventures in Babysitting, 
Oh right. yeah, that was uh, that was Private Pile playing Thor, Vincent D'Onofrio, right? <laughs> right off the bat, I love it. All right, man, <laughs> yeah. that's a good setup for my next question, man, because that wasn't a real that wasn't really a comic movie adaptation. They just kind of used a character from a comic book in the movie. Uh, but uh, I wanted to get because um, comics are going to come up in this interview a lot, like like I think you might have okay. expected, man. Because I really feel am I am I right in saying that? comic books and comic book culture has played an influence in your lyrics and some of the way you approach uh, what you do in your bands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so just just to clarify that, that's why I'm really bringing yeah. it up. And um, and you're a go-to guy when I know myself and Tom Ander want to talk comics and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Shout out to Tom Ander. Um, top, right off the bat, let's, let's go top three comic book to movie adaptations in your humble opinion. Top three comic book to movie adaptations. All right. Uh, let me think. So three, uh, I'm going to have to go with probably Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. You know, I actually thought that was a very well thought out, uh, you know, like, a, you know, I thought they did a great job turning like basically a comic book story into like almost like a borderline 70s spy thriller. Uh, I did see no. that in the theater, and I, I did enjoy it. And I'm not really a Marvel movie guy by any stretch of the imagination. So I got to yeah. give you that. I got to give you that. And you're coming in honest and unexpected, Mikey. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, comic book movie number two. Uh, let me let me get, let me think about this. Uh, maybe Spider Man two. From the, you know what I mean, the Sam Raimi trilogy, only because I don't, like, the movie is really good, but I really liked the uh, performance of Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus. I thought he did a fantastic job, and I thought, like, you know, I, like, as a villain, I thought he was the best villain of the entire Spider-Man franchise. Wow. Being a big Spider-Man fan. Okay, okay. I do, so you know, I, I, it's funny because you're, like, pulling my Marvel cards here. Like I, I, okay. I, I'm normally the guy that's going to shit all over Marvel movies, and I, and, okay. and but you know you're bringing up good points. He was good as Doctor Octopus. I'll give you. Yeah, that. I don't like that. as far. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the movie didn't sweep the Oscars that year or anything, but I just thought uh, on the merits of his performance alone, I definitely think that it puts it above a lot of other kind of uh, you know the uh, comic movies of that time. Wow. Okay. And. Probably my, I mean, my number one all-time comic movie is going to be Conan the Barbarian. Wow. Uh, oh, gonna... yeah. <laughs> wow. Is, does does that, well, they, there's definitely Conan comics, but those are, all right, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but, you know, more recently there was that Joker film that was um, before the pandemic that was the hot topic um, I, yeah, thing, I, kind of blew up the whole cinema world. And, uh it's great because now we have DC responding to that by bringing Jared Leto back, which is it's going to go great. Well, I got to say, I saw Suicide Squad and Jared Leto as the Joker was my favorite part, but that's still not saying a whole lot. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. <laughs> Mikey, did you see Suicide Squad? Hot take. I did. I did see Suicide Squad. Uh, I feel like that it was like watching. Somebody like it was like watching on the screen. Somebody who had, I feel like there was a better idea for that movie that may have been tampered with by studio interference. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't despise it, but I didn't really, but I obviously I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get a boner in the movie theater or anything. Whoa, you know? whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so, so Harley Quinn doesn't do it for you. We get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, so, so now moving forward from that, let's get back into uh, early Mikey a little bit. We know okay. uh, uh, people who follow False Gods, and you know I obviously know that your um, drummer in False Gods is, in fact, your brother Paulie, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, maybe uh, just take us. Through, well, you know, Mikey, I'm a little embarrassed. Is are you're the older one, right? Oh uh, yeah, I'm the oldest out of everybody. Okay, I'm, all right. I'm glad I, I knew that one at least. Um, mm-hmm. And and shout out to your sister, by the way, uh, and, and 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 your brother too. Uh, your other brother. I'm not going to put them on blast, but shout out to them. Uh, shout out to your your siblings who are not in full Scots. Yeah, shout um, out to your grandparents. Yeah, and and, and your brother and, and your brother in law and, and everybody else and and yeah, shout out to the whole squad. But moving on, um, your brother Paulie. Now, when does because he's the drummer of the band. When does he start playing uh, instruments of any kind, if it's drums or if it's something else? And do you ever mess around with instruments before you start focusing on being a vocalist? Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, where my brother's concerned, he has been playing drums. He was playing drums in like elementary school, uh, and then when he was in elementary school, he's like four, he's four years like years younger than me. So when he was in elementary school, I was a little bit older. He started playing the drums, and then me and him and uh, and Sherm, you know, the kid who was in What Doesn't Kill Me, played guitar. Of course. The three of us started uh, like uh, a punk band when, when me and Sherm were like seventeen, and Paulie was like thirteen or something like that. Hmm. You know, so he's kind of been playing drums since he was like ten, and he's been playing drums in bands that I've been in since he was like a little kid. You know, since he was like thirteen. So. Uh, and as far as me, I don't, yeah, I, I always like wished I played the guitar, but I, I, for some reason I could never like retain enough focus to do it. You know, and it sounds a little bit like a cop out, but Uh, I just, I, I I never did it. (laughs) I could tell a familiar tale. Um, <laughs> on my way, to, on my way, my journey to becoming a vocalist. But, but, uh, but my well, Mikey, that's interesting to know because I I knew this was this was uh, a typo right off the bat. But Meta- we we caught. I do so much research here every uh, episode for the podcast, and I rarely catch this. Metalum has a mistake on your profile, Mikey. We we caught them. According to Metalum. You also played guitar in a band called Burning Human from Troy, New York, from 1990 right up till today. Uh, uh, yeah, they're not the first one to to make that mistake. I, I've never heard of the other Mikey Stack, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not gonna put in. You know, I, I, I've never like been like, yo, what the fuck? I'm not in that fucking band. <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, like yeah, it, no, it's, um, it's, I'm just hey. Other Mikey Stack, I fucking I wish you well, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's all good. Maybe we'll get him on the horn one day and we'll we'll, we'll square it all out. Uh, no, yeah, sh- shout to them, like, man. I don't know. I don't know if you fucking know this, but there's another fucking one of you out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and he can, and he sings <laughs> and he doesn't play guitar. 
But, yeah. but we, I had to call Metallum out on that. Uh, just all in good fun. Metallum's a great resource, uh, and I thought that was funny. But um, uh, so when do you get the inclination that you want to start singing? I mean, you say you and Sherm. Shout out to Sherm, and we'll get into what doesn't kill me, which became Agony Kings uh, with Sherm and with Suzuki. Shout out to those guys. Uh, so, so I guess you know you guys are into underground music. Well, when do you find the inclination to, to join a punk band? Like, when do you start to notice punk, hardcore, metal? Tell me about that. Uh, I mean, I kind of like everything. Kind of happened like incrementally from when, like, when I was in elementary school to, you know, to, till when I was in high school. You know, like, like I said, I started off listening to Def Leppard and and you know, and then. When you're when you're a kid and you see the album cover of Somewhere in Time, you know what I mean. You're like, wow, I, that's the sickest fucking shit I ever seen. <laughs> I need that. And then you kind of go from Iron Maiden, like I said, you graduate to to Slayer and all of that. And then I remember when I was in I was maybe third or fourth grade, like there was this kid when I, it was in elementary school in Brentwood, and his name. Uh, was, it was his name was Michael Hunt, you know what I mean, which is a cons- <laughs> consistently joke name, but that was really his name. Poor guy. And Poor I remember guy. he had a he had a brother, obviously who was older, and me and him used to talk about music and metal and shit. And uh, you know, I I haven't seen the kid since third or fourth grade, so I hope he I hope he's doing well as well. And uh, I remember he's the one who he like used to make me like mixtapes, and they had like Hellstar and and Celtic Frost and all of that shit on them. And that's kind of really where I was like, there is crazier shit out there than fucking Cinderella. Yes. You know? Unfortunately, so yes. Where... That is a life lesson <laughs> to be learned, for, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so? And, you know, and I don't hate I don't hate night songs. I actually like, kind of like that, right? You know what I mean? Okay. But okay. it was like a little... Like I was like, yeah, there is like there is a whole underbelly of unlistened to by everybody else in this elementary school music, except for me and the kid with this unfortunate name, you know. And <laughs> that is kind of when like my curiosities really started to get picked. You know what I mean? That's when I like would go and buy the craziest shit, like I buy like fuck Blood Feast and shit like that, just on name and, and heaviness uh, alone, you know? And then it just kind of went from there until, you know, I was basically maybe in my fucking 15 or 14 or 15. And then all of a sudden, you know, and all of a sudden every, everything fucking is, wants to I'm listen to fucking the Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat and all of that shit. You know what I mean? And I'm not, you know, it's not shit, it's good, but like, you know, <laughs> Everything goes through cycles. You know, you have your fucking heavy metal period, your fucking punk rock period, your fucking hardcore period. You know, so yeah, I, I, I went through all the I went through all the metamorphoses of fucking, I guess, where I am today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now something that comes to my mind: you're talking about living all over different parts of Suffolk County and even in Lindenhurst a little bit. Let's talk record mm-hmm. stores. Did you? I mean, did, were you making the circuit going to like none of the above, Looney Tunes? What's going on? Uh. I remember uh, Looney Tunes was a staple of me when I was a kid. I used to go to that place all the time when I lived in, and, you know, on the weekends. I used to go to my dad's house on the weekends. Yeah. My grandma's house. My dad lived there. Uh, I used to go to Looney Tunes all the time. I remember at one at one point in time, uh, maybe when I was like 16 or so, 
uh, on Montauk Highway, right down the, at the end of South A Street in Lindenhurst. It was only there for maybe a year. There was just like a little record store, and I used to walk up there every weekend. I couldn't even tell you what the hell the name of it is. Huh. It was only there for a, a, like a short period of time, but I remember I bought... Uh, what did I, I bought the uh, the what's the the first amorphous record? Uh, Carillion Isthmus. Uh, no, it was the or, seven inch. But, oh, the the EP, the um, oh, man, this is crazy. The listeners are going to grill me on this right now that I don't know this off the top. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yes, evil, I still have it too. What is it? Evil. Um, yeah. Shit. Something uh, of privilege of evil. Privilege of thank you, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, privilege of evil is the name. All right, we not we so not that. Out. That was just a little role play, yeah. you know, pretending we don't yeah. know this. Yeah, I pretended I didn't know that for, <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the listeners. Yeah, I I have, it takes me a while to think of things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Mikey, if you knew the editing I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got. I remember I got that. I got uh, the repulsion. There was a repulsion wow. fucking okay. seven inch there. Uh, what else? I bought. Uh, I remember I bought. Propane, the truth hurts. Mm. You know what I mean? On CD mm. up there, it was like this little underground fucking record store that had a, like a whole bunch of fucking cool shit. I, I think I bought the first uh, the the first Silent Majority seven inch there. Wow! So what is uh, this like? Ninety three? We're talking ninety four. Ninety four? Ninety? Yeah, maybe ninety four. Possibly ninety. You talking about maybe re- ninety four? Repulsion seven inch, uh, amorphous yeah. seven inch. Uh, that's great! Wow! And then and then the uh, the propane too. That's so Long Island. The propane, the truth hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that a lot very early on the podcast. We did a whole episode about like like bands that use real gore and autopsy photos. So we were mainly talking about like all death metal and grind bands. And then I had to throw propane in there for that album. That was like really explicit back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah that was something that you would not see at fucking the wall. You know what I mean? It's fucking yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think they had a censored version that they had to put out, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think they did. And I, I think they eventually, didn't they eventually, like, uh, release it with, like, the original mixes or something where he didn't have the uh, the effects on his vocals or something like that? I'd have to go back and look. I reached out to him. Yeah. Um, who, who, what's his name? Uh, is it Gary Meskel. Gary Meskel. Yeah, I knew it was yeah, Gary Meskel. Yeah. I reached out to him a long time ago. I got to sh- send him another message, man. Maybe I'll get him on the horn one day. Who knows? Another, another Long Island, uh, another son of the island. Uh, but, Mike, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. Mike, we got you on the horn now. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to talk about the record stores. And, w- and what about, I mean, li- you know, living out um, uh, further in Suffolk at some point, you must have been around none of the above, right? Oh, yeah, of course. None, yeah, I was at none of the above. None of the above at one point in time, you know, before cell phone, social media was like you, like that is where you would find out what shows were happening because yes. they would have all the flyers by the front door. Yes, and, and also under the volcano zine, shout to them. Uh, yes, under like volcano. Yeah, month like monthly, like religiously every month. I would go out and try to get that, and you could read all the reviews and ads and stuff like that. Long Island centric underground zine, and yeah, all the flyers band members needed, and it was like yeah, it was Craigslist, Facebook, and all that shit rolled up into one, right on a bulletin board at the record store. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right in one little fuck, right in uh, this little record store in Centerage. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace to Tom DeStefano and to none of the above records, man. I just mm-hmm. wanted to. Uh, shout that out a little bit and it was such a I mean I remember back in the day you could find like import death metal and black metal records there that no one had even heard of in the mid 90s they were really doing something for for us out here in Suffolk well County. yeah I mean they had their own it, it basically what started off as a record store it seemed to eventually turn into like this little cool like 
community shop, you know what I yeah. mean? That like everybody, you know, everybody would see each other in and, uh, you know, say hello and all of that stuff. That place was cool, man. That was probably like, uh, if, if I didn't, if I didn't live it, I'd be like, oh, it was a fucking record store. But <laughs> since I did live it, I feel like it was, you know, it was a, it was like almost like a little home base, you know, in Suffolk County as to where, like, you know, you could find out what was going on and fucking yeah. buy, and buy shit that, I mean, you couldn't buy shit, some of that shit anywhere else, you know? I couldn't get the mouthpiece demo in the mall, you know? No, no, I got, well, also by the front door where they used to have the bulletin board, they had the used CD rack, and that's where I cleaned out a whole bunch of, uh, Great Nuclear Blast Death Metal. I got, you know, the first two Dismember albums, Benediction, Transcend, the Rubicon. I could go on. Um, so, you know, it was like the late 90s, and I guess people were cleaning out their death metal, man. So I, I I lucked out with that, too, man. Great place. Yeah, no, man. Fucking, like I said, probably I'll never see another place like that probably for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, you know, there are some great record stores we got nowadays. It's just a whole different vibe now. Uh, you know, you're never going to be able to go back in time, but... Um, but we can talk about it, and and I want to get to get into you. You talked about you mentioned you brought up Sherm. Shout to him. Uh, you Sherm and your brother Paulie start um, a band when you're about seventeen, when you're very young. Now, let's talk about shows. How you, have you been going to shows at that point? Have you been like 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 what was going on VFW and Knights of Columbus shows? What you know like or or did you like start a band before you even re- broke into going to shows? Uh. Well, no. By that time, that probably when I was seventeen was around ninety five. So ninety four, ninety five, uh, probably more towards ninety five is when I really started kind of going like religiously to shows. Yeah, you know, because I was I remember there was the the PWAC in Lindenhurst. I used to go there all the time. Uh, you know, the <laughs> the random VFW hall. You know, the Huntington VFW hall here. Yes. Or, uh, you know, like the, uh, I mean, I think they were having shows at like the Corum VFWs at, or, or the maybe the Medford VFW at one point in time. They used to have shows there as well. Uh, so that was that the more 95. It was probably about the same time when I started going to shows that I was like, yeah, I kind of want to start a band. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. And, and also, just quickly for the listeners, if they want to go back and check out our interview with Christian McKnight, he was one of the guys back in the 90s organizing those PWAC shows. Um, and he talked about even to the point where, uh, you know, get the, getting busted up by um, the cops and, and uh, you know, journalists coming through and all that sort of thing and the controversy with that. And also even our tension interview, I think people, we talked a little bit about the culture in the 90s of um, bands coming out to Long Island to play these rental halls and places like that. Uh, because there there wasn't as much to, to do in the city. Yeah. Yeah, so um, now talking about that, what I want to get into also, this is a question I bring up with a lot of people when we get into talking about shows in the 90s, old school stuff. Uh, to be succinct with it, um, you know, nowadays everyone's got the, uh, the camera phones, um, everyone's taking video uh, at shows, there's... Uh, closed circuit television and, and security cameras at every venue at every bar and that sort of thing. Um, okay. I I always ask back in the nineties, did you notice were shows more violent uh, or even were sex and drugs more prevalent before that sort of thing? Uh, well, as far I mean, 
going to like hardcore shows at the, you know, like there was always a level of violence there. I mean, it was, it wasn't like, it was like fucking flat out brawls all the time, but there, I mean, there was fights and stuff, but I feel like that shit happens today too. You know what I mean? I feel like there's no more violence then as there is now, but then it was, uh, you know, I mean, it's probably the same. It's probably like the, the same idea as like were there more violence in the in the in the early 80s hardcore shows as opposed to the 90s hardcore shows when we grew up you know what i mean and then like you know they, they were it, it was crazier back then you know what i mean and now are, are we the it's crazy it was crazier back then people i think it's just always crazy i just think that maybe it was more new to us so maybe it just seemed crazier to us but i don't think they were any more violent than they are now yeah. Okay. And that's just does that make does that make sense? Yeah. Well, no. It it does make yeah. sense because it's kind of like every generation is going to have their thing. And also, something I've thought about too is is um, uh, we talked about this recently. I'm trying to think with who it was, but we talked about how um nowadays, uh, how you know back in the old days, um, death metal and hardcore. I think we were talking about death metal in particular, but it works for hardcore and punk back in the '90s and even into the '80s. It was more of a you know, it was more of an edge to it and maybe a little bit more dangerous, whereas now it's more of a respected art form and a respected music. And the people who are seeking that type of edgy atmosphere might be on some, you know, SoundCloud rap or some sort of electronic rave thing that I don't even know about. You know what I mean? So there's those okay. people, there's those people that are attracted to edgy nightlife and 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 subculture, <coughs> and they're going to follow it. I think because for the type of people that are following the violence, they're not they don't really care about the riffs, you know. Well, yeah, of course. It's just like, you know, any any type of specific subculture like that is, you know, if you chum the water long enough singing about crazy shit, eventually a bunch of fucking assholes are going to fucking come to your shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, what was that? Uh, Nirvana had the song... Um, uh, uh, Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots addressed that in their lyrics, uh, you know, about uh, kind of like macho frat guys coming to their shows and misunderstanding where the aggression was coming from, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, all right, so I just wanted to get your take on that moving forward. And, uh, you know, we talk about rental halls and these, like, DIY spots. I think, I'm pretty sure, Mikey, the first time I met you, it was when Buckshot Facelift and What Doesn't Kill Me, the band that you would go on to form with Sherm, who was in your first band, we were booked together at, like, a party rental hall that you would have, like, a Sweet 16 in. You remember that? Oh, was that the TGIF place in, in yeah. like, Ronkonkoma? Yeah, it was called TGIF, yeah. but it was had no relation to the restaurants. It was like, yeah, yeah, it no, was yeah, weird. They did not serve <laughs> Jack Daniels burgers. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they yeah, did. No, I think, yeah, I think it was either that or I know we also did play a show together at some bar in Colmac as well at, like, I believe it was, like, like, Three o'clock in the afternoon on like Father's Day, yeah, or something like that. I remember. I, I, I remember something weird like that. Yeah, yeah, at some bar in in Comac next to a diner. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Whichever one, weird. yeah. And but that was yeah, that was definitely the first introduction to 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 you and I. But yeah, that TGI that TGIF place that we played at, like I, from what I have heard, I never was at one. No, maybe I was. 
that they had like some pretty big shows there. I think like Bane played there, like a, like a whole bunch of big bands came through there and played there. Well, the time that we played there, I'm pretty sure we were supporting Locked in a Vacancy, who were from the city, and and playing out. They they might not have been the hugest name, but it was a little. It was a little. It struck me as unusual that they would be that far east in Long Island playing a show at this like hmm. busted out strip mall. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I I do not recall that, them playing that show, but now that you mention it, it's entirely possible. Whoever booked it must have had some connections in the city, and you know, God bless them. They were just trying to stir things up on Long Island in the early two thousands, which was it was a little it was a little hairy between like the early two thousands and around two thousand twelve ish, I think, out here. You know, for shows. Uh yeah. I mean, you know, that's like it. I guess it 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 it, it like it, it peaks and it valleys. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I like the shows, but like I mean, I guess it's all what kids listen to and all of that you know what i mean like i don't go i don't see a lot of shows that are completely packed out and then i'll go to a show on a whim and be like i'll check these guys out and all of a sudden it's completely packed out you know so (laughs) you know like i don't you know like i feel like it's just anybody could play a really great show on any given night and anybody could play a really crappy show on any given night i guess yeah, it's the, it's the truth, man. It's a gamble, and and well, talk. So I I brought up that that, that you know what doesn't kill me. When do you guys? Uh, you know, obviously you start. You told me you start working with Sherm when you guys are teenagers. Big shout to Suzuki, friend uh, friend of the shows. He played uh, bass in What Doesn't Kill Me, right? I got that right, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, Bobby, uh, your your drummer, um, another longtime friend. Uh, uh, what, tell me about what doesn't kill me forming in the early two thousands. What doesn't kill me? Well, me and Bobby lived together in Port Jefferson, yes. and we we tried to start a, you know a couple bands or whatever, a couple different people. He had like a, a a punk band with Steve Morton. Uh, you know, he's he's one of my friends back in the day. He was in a couple bands. He was in like this old band dead veronica with my friend greg i have the dead but, veronica cd yeah they, they played oh, with Bio- oh, do you? i think they played with biolich once at us at i might have been the tom destefano from none of the above memorial show if i if i had something along those lines but yeah I, I i have the dead veronica cd but go on yeah yeah so we <laughs> that's funny so we started a band it didn't work out you know what i mean like it was just like whatever because we were all roommates at the time me steve and bobby uh, so that didn't really work out. We just were, we, everybody wasn't gelling. And then Sharon was playing with this, this band from New York and it wasn't working out with them. And we're just like, Hey, you know, let's start this other band. And, you know, Suzuki, you know, was just, you know, he played bass in, uh, my prior band before that, um, that me, him, Sherm and Paulie were in a hardcore band in like the late nineties called, uh, like it was, you know, at first it was game over and then it was lights out. Uh, so he had a, we had already been in a band with him and I was just like, yeah, we'll talk to Suzuki, see if he wants to join in and everything just kind of clicked into place. You know what I mean? So it was just me, Sherm, Suzuki, Bobby, in a, in, you know, me and me and Bobby were roommates. So we had all the shit set up in the middle of the living room, just fucking playing all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, I, you know what I mean? I, I, I it was obnoxious. I think I have some like scant memories of the Port Jeff house. I, I actually wrote it down here. As like Selden one, Selden two, Lake Ronkonkoma, and uh, and the, and the current ranch. 
if I'm, yeah. going, if I'm going back, th- thinking about the memories. And that's where I'm getting into right now because it was around that time where What Doesn't Kill Me formed, uh, where we started playing shows together with Buckshot Facelift. And a lot of it's blurry at this point, but we had quite a run playing in the early 2000s together. We played a lot of shows. We used to go out to Queens. Do you remember what that bar was in Queens? Uh, bar 131? Yes, that's was right. It, 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 they, yeah, just that back room. It was just like a back room. Yeah, they had some great burgers there. Uh, and, and rest in peace to uh, to, to my buddy um, uh, 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 Rob. Um, shit, give me one second, man. There's a good story here. I, 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 I got, what band was it? Well, Rob McAllister. Also, shout to Lindenhurst. You talk about Lindenhurst. Rest in peace Rob, to my to my yeah. good friend Rob McAllister. Uh, did you know Rob, Mikey? Uh yeah uh, yeah I knew him I was you know I wasn't we were like best friends or anything but I hung out with him a couple times he was a good yeah guy. yeah I got you I mean, he he played in Iron Sheik and he was in a, he had a band called Chronic and they like it was a band that was all about weed and and uh, they played a show <laughs> at that one thirty one bar with us I think it was probably with What Doesn't Kill Me and Buckshot one night and that they were passing around a blunt in that little back room and and the fu- they shut that shit down quick man the the bartender and everybody came back they were yelling at us they were fucking it was it, oh, yeah, yeah it's good story man it was funny times man yeah rest in peace to rob man it, it was, rob was always partying man it was a funny time um rest in peace to chronic i still have the i actually have two copies of it man if if uh, uh, um uh you want i could i could hook you up with one man that was a good time <laughs> yeah I'd, but, I'd love to hear i'd love to hear any band called chronic well, we yeah, we all played a show together. I guess it was good chronic because nobody remembers. But um, but, but but yeah, that good memories. Rest in peace to Rob. Uh, and and um, uh, that one thirty one bar, man. Yeah, I, it's funny because I have some blurry memories, man. I I mean, we must we we probably drank a few beers when we played shows back in the day. Yeah, oh yeah, we we <laughs> fucking drank an absurd amount of beers. You know, it was like part of the it was part of the ritual, man. Yeah, I and they had I remember they had really good burgers at that one thirty one bar too. That's coming back to me now. Um, I'd like to see if that place is still around. Who knows? But, I don't. I do not think it is. I think it got. I think it eventually got shut down. Like maybe yeah. like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, haven't somebody somebody smoked that last blunt in the back room? Um, so, so, uh, now I wanted to reminisce a little bit and before we get too far ahead, there is kind of one more old school coming up question I had to ask you, Mikey. Um, first tattoo. First tattoo, uh, fucking Punisher skull when I was like fucking 17 years old. (laughs) Cause, cause, you know, yeah, the, uh, that's the only fucking you know. That's what that's what you're getting when you're fucking 17 years old. Is you fucking the Punisher fucking skull? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, uh, Punisher skull. Yeah, it makes sense. That's actually pretty good. I know some teenage tattoos that you know people got that weren't weren't as cool. But t- now you got, if I'm not mistaken, you got some homemade tattoos though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got some homemade tattoos. <laughs> I know, man. I now- got some homemade tattoos that I got were done by my friend here. And I got some homemade tattoos that I might have gotten too drunk and did myself in a blackout. Okay, because yeah, those are the ones I want to I want to talk about, man. Well, because because <laughs> you're 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 not bashful about it. I've seen you perform live many times. You got a lot of tattoos. Uh, you got some that are done by professionals, and like you said, some that are more of a a, a, a hobby enthusiast type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what are the tattoos you did yourself? Uh, so, um. But my friend, my friend Joe, did my a bunch of my tattoos, 
was over at my house one night. Uh, it was like fucking five o'clock in the morning. He actually wasn't even using a real tattoo machine. It was a fucking gun somehow plugged into a fucking little DC converter into the wall. It was, it was like a, it was fucking, it was a mess. Kind of like what you and, see on like NBC Lockup or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, something to that effect. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I had just wa- <laughs> I had just watched fucking Night of the Hunter with fucking Robert Mitchum, the fucking like the, that day or the day before, <laughs> and he went to go to the gas station with his girlfriend to go get some fucking forties, and I picked up the gun and just tried to fucking write fucking love and hate on my knuckles, uh, you know, as fucking, as an, uh, as, a, as an ode to fucking Robert Mitchum in fucking Night of the Hunter. Yeah. And, course. you know, uh, so I did, I did a really fucking terrible job and he had to do mm-hmm. a little fixing of it, but <laughs> I did, I did take pride in the fact that I did most of it myself. Beautiful. In, in a complete, when I should have, not been touching any type of fucking tattoo machine. I probably shouldn't have even fucking been awake. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Hey, man, it's uh, YOLO, like the kids say, right? Come <laughs> yeah, on. I know. <laughs> you know uh, and actually, it's funny because at the time, okay, my wife was on vacation. Oh, boy. And fucking when she came home, she's like, are you, fu- are you fucking kidding me? Like, Because I did it on my knuckles. You know what I mean? She's like, you fucking tattooed your knuckles, you idiot. You know? But, hey, man. You know. Bro, I, I think her gonna... reaction might be warranted. No, I yeah. get it. Shout, shout to Kate. <laughs> shout, shout, shout to your long-suffering wife. We love her. She's a, she's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful lady. But she shouldn't have been surprised. She knows what she got into. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. No, if you're no, gonna, you know, knuckle tattoo. If you choose to, if you choose to babysit the gorilla, you know what I mean. <laughs> once in a, you know, once in a while, he's gonna throw some feet. I was, I was at your wedding. I, the, the fact yeah. that it resulted in knuckle tats does not um, homemade drunken knuckle tats does not surprise me. I, I slept in a fetal position in a in a three piece suit on the floor next to a pit bull that night. It was great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I woke you up. I woke you up. In the morning. Yeah. And then I believe your exact comment <laughs> was actually from Kate asking you, why are you on the floor in front of the door? And your exact reaction was, because I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. no, I, wasn't, I wasn't really sad, though. It was like, it was a, it, you got to understand the subtle Sal-influenced sense of humor. That, yeah. <laughs> the, the subtleties of our sense of humor. It's all about crying and being sad. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah, dude. So so I wanted to cover the tats a little bit. And we talk about your tats. A, a question just sprung into my mind at random here. But you do have tattoos that are inspired by the movie, uh, or maybe it's by the novel. You tell me Dune, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's I inspired by the novel. I mean, the novel is, is the, the original is the original story, but I, everybody likes to piss on the on the David Lynch Dune. I kind of like it. Let's talk about because you're you're a, you're a man of cinema. I want to talk music. I want to get to false gods, but we had, we got to put comic books and movies in their rightful place in this conversation, man. Now, Absolutely. let's say I'm a detractor. I don't I don't like what he did. I don't like doing the movie. Why is it so okay. great, Mikey? What's up? I secretly what, do as like far it. as. Uh, what as far as what David Lynch did to make it uh, like an, an interesting novel, like 
you know. Why, why should I bother? Uh, why, I got it at home on VHS. Why should okay. I bother popping it in? Why should I watch it? Uh, I I don't know, man. Maybe it has something to do with, with, with like me growing up with it or something. Uh, I don't know. I just I like I like some of the visuals. I like I like the fucking I like the soundtrack done. Yes. By, I mean, doesn't Asia do the soundtrack? I no, would, Toto I, Toto does yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah. It's no, it, yeah. I'm I'm not trying to bust balls. I literally do have it on VHS. I love that movie. Yeah, um, yeah it's such a weirdo uh, uh, kind of like outlier yeah. sci-fi flick. It yeah. does never gets the love it, of, of all the other classic sci-fi movies. You know. Yeah, well, because well, the book does. You know what I mean? The book, the book gets the love. It goes into all the, it goes into way more depth about all the characters, but. I don't know. The movie is just, you know, it's a piece of my childhood, and I can watch it fucking over and over again. The, the book's you know? great, but if I want to do that much reading, I'll make a pizza, and you know, a DiGiorno, uh, and I'll read yeah, the box. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, the the I'll, new I'll, one coming it, out, the remake. Well, that's what I want to get to. <laughs> yeah. Mike, are you... Now, you, you kind of threw me off, because I asked you about comic-to-movie adaptations, and you threw... Uh, two Marvel movies from the last 20 years at me. I wasn't expecting you to go there, so maybe you'll surprise me. What are your feelings? Are you open-minded for this this new Dune, this remake? Yeah, yeah, I'm open-minded. I think the uh, the Dennis Villeneuve, the guy who did it, he did he did uh, this that movie Sicario with ben, Benicio Del Toro. Okay. And, and I love that movie. You know what I mean? It's a well-made, kind of cool, fucking, like, thriller uh, but he also did, which I was very impressed with. I was cause, because my apprehensions were fucking through the roof. Is he did the Blade Runner fucking twenty fucking forty nine or twenty seventy nine, twenty forty nine, whatever the fuck it is. I, I can't think of the number. Let's not bring but, math into it. Let's just talk movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt. Uh, yeah, I had. I got left back because of math in fucking high school. <laughs> I had to repeat my senior year, so I'm not interested in getting that right. Yeah, so fuck that. Yeah, but I think it's twenty forty nine. So it. He did that, and it far surpassed my expectations okay. on okay. how good it was going to be. Because I'm, a, you know, I'm obviously I'm, I love the original fucking Blade Runner with Harrison yes. Ford. Yeah. So I was like, oh, were they making a fucking sequel? This is fucking stupid. And you know what? I gotta tell you, I ate my words a little bit. Mm. Okay, he did you know, a movie yeah. called I it, Arrival. I thought it was really was good. Long. So I'm very interested to see what he has to offer the the universe. <laughs> I love it. Oh no! Yeah, now, well, well, with, with fucking Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista. It's gonna be a sexual film. You know that? Who's in it? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Zendaya. Wow. It's, it's good. It's good looking cast. Just wow. gonna say. Fantastic. Well, I, I, I mean, they got to bring Sting back. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or maybe Stuart Copeland. Maybe we'll go another direction with ex-members of the police. Uh, see how his acting chops are. But, um, all right, so now uh, I want to get into it a little bit because, um, you know, we talked history. We talked what doesn't kill me. Um, uh, eventually, what doesn't kill me does come back, and you guys uh, uh, changed the name to Agony Kings. Um, uh, uh, and, 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 and the band um, breaks up. And also, through the, through the 2000s, you were in a number of bands. Um, I'm thinking of uh, uh, Paradise for Parasites. Kev Kev Straub was in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Me, Kevin Paulie was in that yet again. My brother, yes, and uh, and and my friend Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Again, we were fuzzy memories coming back to me. I remember playing a show with Paradise, Um, and 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 eventually Skeleton Dealer takes hold. Now, 
maybe this is just my perception because I've been around you guys so long. It seems to me like Skeleton Dealer is kind of like the uh, um, the the beginning uh, uh, form of like what would become False Gods. Is that is there evolution oh, yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was Skeleton Dealer was a cool band, but it was like. I see that wasn't my like I kind of just joined that band after they had a whole bunch of stuff written I wasn't really there from the beginning so by the time I got there it was like I got in there we fucking made we did like a couple you know we wrote some cool shit I felt like it peaked a little bit and then it kind of frizzled out but I mean Greg who played drums in Skeleton Dealer who plays guitar in Full Scott has been my friend for like mad long mm-hmm so Shout to Greg, yeah. it was just like he had he's like, dude, I got I got like all this material, you know what I mean? I wrote all this stuff. I got you know, I wanna play guitar and they wanna play drums, which is which is I mean it's cool, but he's a fucking awesome drummer. Um but, yeah, I was actually, I always looked at, sorry just to interject, but you're right, because I remember we used to play shows with Skeleton Dealer when you guys were around, and I always looked at Greg as a very professional drummer, a very you know seasoned drummer, and then he turned around with False Gods, and it's like, oh, he's got riffs too, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and you know, he had this stuff, and he asked me to fucking, he's like, dude, do you want to, you know, and I was like, of course, man, you know, because at that time, I think that was, uh, it was like right before, was it before or maybe a little after What Doesn't Kill Me reformed? And it was like, ah, oh, you know, and what doesn't, when we reform, we're like, we'll just do it. We'll fucking, you know, we'll put out a fucking, you know, we'll put out a record. We, we were kind of reformed What Doesn't Kill Me for more fun. And then it got a little more serious, but it was just more us like a bunch of old friends hanging out again, you know? But then when fucking, uh, you know, when Greg came to me with fucking False Gods, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, yeah, you know what, let's fucking... It was like me and him doing our own fucking thing and then kind of building from there. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely came out of the ashes of Skeleton Dealer. Yeah, and, and big shout to Kev, man. Good guy. Um, uh, and and oh, oh, actually, uh, Kev Straub uh, loaned us some equipment that we used on the Elder's Rasp album too, man. Um, uh, back in the day, just uh, trivia for our Buckshot fans. But uh, False Gods, 2016, um, you come out with the Wasteland EP. That was the first release, right? Yep. And we're getting into False Gods now. For the listeners, you can go to Bandcamp and get all four of the releases uh, that we're going to talk about. But I want to give a quick shout. We're going to get into your newer members because there's an interesting connection with those guys. But we got to shout out Brotown. Uh, my boy Brotown. Yeah, um, the, you know, and what was really interesting with False Gods to me is the inception of the band. It's it's really a brotherhood. It's not just you and Paulie, but um, and we can edit this out if you don't like, it, but you know, but uh, personal detail. But Brotown's your brother-in-law, right? Yes. Yeah, there's no reason to edit that out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm proud you know. to have him as my brother-in-law. <laughs> well, not not that. Sometimes people are touchy about personal information and all that sort of thing. But ah, no, we're not even using his real name. We're just saying Brotown. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, shout out to Brotown. Great guy. Um, uh, great bass player. Uh, fashion always on point too, man. He's always a well-dressed guy for Suffolk County. I gotta give him that for being in a hardcore yeah, band. Yeah, man. Suffolk fucking fuck, track the tracksuit master. Yeah, tracksuit master. Uh, <laughs> he always looks like he's ready to storm a, a, a soccer game in England somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll fucking open up on the handball courts. Yeah, <laughs> but 
But Brotown, um, he's your original bass player in that band. I mean, just can we talk about that? What, what was was the vibe really like a family vibe? Because I know, you know, and that's something I'm trying to express in this interview is that people who just hear False Gods as a band, this is really something that comes out of a family environment not just the band members but you know um i i've uh you know i've missed our you know the get-togethers uh, over at the ranch as you call it uh the family the in-laws are all there as band members ex-band members but you know people that have played shows together that's where i really feel like the local underground scene on long island uh you know our our network of people kind of comes together off hours you know it's like our cheers it's like you know when when you have your parties so it's like that's you know talk about the beginning of false gods man and that family vibe. Uh, all right, I mean I it's there's nothing really uh, you know it's not like a crazy dramatic roller coaster like I feel like we were all kind of drunk in my front yard <laughs> and I was like Bri, you want to be in this fucking band I'm in and he was like okay <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean I love that but you know that, that that's Suffolk County we're, in, we're you know that's the vibe right now man. And, um, and you know, just from me as an outsider, I always enjoyed that element of it being kind of a family man, family band, Greg uh, not being related, but being a longtime friend and an associate. Um, and then, uh, you know, you move on. I know Brotown, shout out to him. He's always been a very uh, mature guy in terms of professionalism. I know, you know, he's got different pursuits in, in his professional life. And I assume that's why um, you moved on with Johnny Girak, replacing him on bass um, eventually, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he couldn't really because we were looking to do more of the out of state, yeah. playing out of state, going away. You know what I mean? And he kind of, he, you know, he's got like a, you know, he, he's like a union guy. He's, you know, he's got like a real job. And I was like, yeah, you know, well, no, you know, no harm, no foul, man. You know, like, you know, I don't want to. I didn't want him to ha- to do it out of obligation. I wanted it to be fun. So when he couldn't do it, it's like, all right, man, no, don't worry about it. You know, we'll always be fucking family. Yeah. And and what and you know uh, and shout, again shout to him and was it um, the serpent and the ladder that's your first release with the new lineup after that yes serpent yeah the, the the two song EP is new yeah it's the first release with those two guys okay so so people could check out uh, 2016's Wasteland EP 2017's Reports from Oblivion which I always love to reference as being reports from Suffolk Long, Long Island. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, and that's with Brotown. And then I think it's really fair to say that the addition of Johnny Girak on bass and Nick Luizzi on guitar with The Serpent and the Ladder in 2019, um, uh, those guys are definitely younger guys than your circle. They're from the what I call the newer generation, like, you know, underneath uh, uh, my generation coming up on Long Island. I knew them from Locus Mortis, Carcinogen. Uh, Omnia, a lot of different groups they were involved in. And when I heard they were joining up with you guys, I was really excited for that combination. But tell me a little bit about hooking up with them. How do, how do you bring Johnny into the fold initially? Well, we well we had we actually brought Nick in the fold before Johnny. Okay. Because Nick, okay. you know, Nick is you know, Nick is somebody like I mean, he's mad younger, you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah. you know, he's fucking very well-versed when it comes to music and all of that shit. So, yeah. like, we, me and him used to bullshit all the time and this, that, and he was just came up to he's like, you know, I want to be in False Gods. And I was like, <laughs> that sounds like a fucking great idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, and then me and Greg were, were talking about it. And like, yeah, you know, it'd be cool to have a second guitar because he used to, you know, he used to fill in sometimes on, on bass and drums for the shows. I remember he filled in on the drums at uh 
when we played with that band Conan, you know what I mean, back like three years ago or something. So it was like, dude, he's already, he knows all the shit, he fills in, he just, you know, might as well just fucking be in the band, you know? Yeah. So yeah. then he came in the band, you know, and then I guess he was the one who had a talk with Johnny about being in the band. And Johnny was like, yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> you and, know, and, again, I, I feel like it's a really easy, everybody answers really easily. Yeah, well, they're they're good guys, uh, and I've been fans of their work. And you know, Buckshot and Artificial Brain have performed with some of their bands that they were in before they hooked up with you guys. Um, and I've been a big fan of their kind of scene, or not just them, but their friends in uh, related acts. You know, Hagenty, the Rock and Roll Gas Station Studio guys, and that sort of thing. We'll get yeah, in, yeah. yeah, we'll get into your video that you did at Rock and Roll Gas Station Studio. Um, but I feel like, 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 yeah, they really added an element. You know, Johnny is uh, abs- absolutely a capable bass player, and the first time I saw him perform with you guys, he really seemed to fit the mold and be one of the crew. And Nick seems to flesh out the guitars, whereas, uh, you know, Greg, like I said, he's got the riffs. I really like the way Greg writes. He adds a lot of atmosphere and blends uh, elements from different genres very well. And it seems like Nick kind of comes in like young Slash. And just leads it up, and, 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 and <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, adds a lot of color to it, so to speak, with the leads and the harmonics and the things he does. And it's it's a really cool functioning unit, and it's really interesting to watch the the progression over the the three EPs, I guess, and the um the full length, like we said, which is no symmetry, only disillusion, uh, produced by Colin Marston. Was that the first time you guys worked with Colin Marston for for this latest album? Yeah, yeah, that's the yes, first time I. First time we ever worked with. Awesome. Now, I love that because the listeners of the show know, obviously, um, Colin's a friend of the show. Uh, he's produced a lot of, you know, different things I've been involved in, through, you know, Afterbirth, Artificial Brain, Reeking Aura, all, all that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. when I heard that you were going to him, I was really excited because I felt like he could he could add something um, uh, to the band that I hadn't really heard him he, I don't hear him work with a lot of bands like you guys. You guys, first of all, have a very original signature sound to begin with. Uh, but I know Colin Moore is the technical dissonant metal guy, the jazz metal guy, that sort of thing. T- tell us a little bit about the approach going into work with Colin. And um, uh, maybe like if you had any like expectations or preconceived notions about working with him and, and, uh, and, and the reality of it or anything like that. Uh, well, I mean, me personally, I mean, I know... He's done a whole bunch of, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, he, he's like, you know, the Gorguts and everything like that. Yeah. Like, he's not somebody, you know, it's he's not a lightweight when it comes to recording shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, I always, uh, you know, I, I, you know what it is? I guess there's a, I'm genetically coded to be nervous about, like, meeting new people. So, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I was a little nervous, you know? You know, so, but I mean, when I went in there, I mean, I, you know, on the day when I had to do my vocals, cause they did the, they had to do the other stuff during the week and I had to work. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do my vocals. You guys laid down the tracks, whatever. And I got there and the dude was fucking one of the coolest dudes I ever met. You know what I mean? That's yeah, usually yeah. how it goes. I get worried. Like I get worried about like, is he, you know, like fucking dudes from fucking been writing crazy shit for years. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I meet this person and it's like oh he's just like a fucking cool dude you know <laughs> yeah, Col- Colin is a really easygoing down to earth guy really easy to work with uh, yeah that's what I love though is that because I remember when I first um, you know with artificial brain back in the day we decided to go with Colin it was like the first time I'd worked with him 
there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got lofty credentials. Uh, you know, as he should. Respect to him. And yeah, it'd been in gore guts, produced all this crazy technical, dissonant, critically acclaimed type of music. And yeah. and um, as much as I love False Gods, you, you know, you guys are a little bit more raw from Suffolk County, Long Island. And it's a it's a bridging of a gap, as we said before. The New York City scene and the Suffolk County, Long Island scene are two totally different animals. And what I really love, I you know, going back, I was telling Tom before earlier today, um, listening to False Gods, it's like, um, you know, there, there's two sides of the coin because I know you guys for a long time. I'm friendly with you guys. Uh, you know, I'm going to support the band, if, you know, even if it sounded like garbage, which it never would. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, it's kinda, it's a hard to look at your friend's band objectively. And today I listened to the album and I was really able to listen to it objectively because I was trying to listen to it in context of research for the podcast. And it seems like Colin was the perfect guy to go to because he captured all that organic, raw sound that you want from the kind of doom metal infused hardcore that you guys are doing or hardcore infused doom metal, however you want to put it. Um, what, tell me a little bit about the, like the, I know you said that, that the guys tracked the music and then you came in to do the vocals, but like, uh, was there anything, um, uh, uh, different ab- about this as opposed to the other recording, uh, uh, processes for the, for the other EPs? Uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of was already only there for like a day and a half. So I feel like I don't know if I have the credentials to really answer that question. Okay, well, you know, we'll get like, one, we'll get one of your bandmates on eventually down the line. But yeah, go, you know what your take on it? <laughs> you know, like my take was uh, like, uh, I, you know, I feel like if I, you know, I thought I thought it was great, but it's I like I kind of like recording. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when I did it with Keith, it was great. You know what I mean? Like, I, as nobody has ever really been. Uh, like a dick when I've been when I've done recording so it's like kind of pleasurable every time so I don't you know like and this was this was no different you know what I mean it was like a cool fucking guy fucking you know doing you know recording me yelling you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. awesome so so now we talk about false gods I brought up the idea that it's this kind of doom metal infused hardcore or the other way around and you guys are really exploring even I'd say elements of black metal and death metal like there's a lot of atmosphere a lot of a lot of dynamics on this latest album you put out um, let's get into the sound because Mikey I've always known you as uh, kind of a very down-to-earth street level Long Island hardcore punk kind of guy. Um, uh, but there's always been uh, a vein running through you of, of incredible knowledge of metal and also um, uh, doom metal and kind of like what people might call stoner and sludge metal, neurosis, okay. crowbar. That's not what I really associate with Long Island Hardcore. Where do you find the doom metal and the sludge and the neurosis and all that sort of stuff? Um, I mean, I feel like I've been peeling back the layers of the onion of music for my whole life. You know what I mean? Like, I've never... When when I was a kid, like, I had that whole douchebaggy, like, I would listen to fucking fuck metal. I only listen to punk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in, my, in, in when I'm fucking 16, but I've, like, when I grew up a little bit, I was like, you know what, man? I'm not marrying myself to any specific type of fucking music. You know what I mean? I want to find as much cool shit as I fucking... It's the same thing with with comics and fucking movies. You know what I mean? 
I don't just like Marvel and I just don't like DC. You know what I mean? I'll fucking read Image and Dark Horse. Like, I want to, like, just because shit falls into a certain subgenre of music, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean I only have to listen to that. I want to listen to everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and that's why just through sheer exploration have I, you know, found, you know, the bands I listen to today from fucking death metal to doom metal to fucking electronic shit to, you know, like all types of shit. You know, so I never, I never really like specifically fit into, tried to just find one type of music. I tried to find everything about all the types of fucking music that I possibly could. All right, Movie fair. soundtracks, all of that shit. You know what I mean? That's, so that's, you know, and, and I guess with that comes having different conversations with different people. And they'll be like, oh, if you like this band, you know, if you like fucking... Roses, fucking check out fucking Eyes of Fire. You like Eyes of Fire? Listen to fucking, you know what I mean? It's, it's the dudes from fucking Mind Rot. And you find <laughs> shit like that, you know? Well, you that, know what I mean? So it's like just talking to people and exploring. That's what I'm talking because I do remember I, it might have even been the Port Jefferson house or the first Selden house. Yeah. It was very early on when I started hanging out with you guys. And um, I remember sitting in the basement drinking with everybody. And I started talking to you about death metal because at that point we didn't know each other well and you guys were a hardcore band. We were Buckshot Facelift and I said something about yeah. death metal and you and I got to talking about Disincarnate and I was like, oh, all right, this guy knows his shit. Like, you know, I was, you know, this is like probably 16, 17. I was, I was much more elitist Will back then. Like, nobody knows as much death metal as me. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, know, you probably do know more death metal than me. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. It, there's there you know but but I'm open minded to the to possibility that that you know more than me though that's that's the difference <laughs> but but uh but all, all right so that's fair enough man I want to talk a little bit about that now um just to wind down the conversation I had a few more uh uh things like comic book type of things uh I want to talk about uh and movie things we talked a little bit like your top 3 comic book uh uh movie adaptations I want to talk you know, you just kind of segued me in there. You talked about I don't read DC, I don't read Marvel, I don't read Image, I read everything. What about yeah. crossovers between comic book companies? Maybe like top top. If you got a top three, if you could go there, but even like number one. As like you mean like as far as uh, like what they tried, what Marvel and DC tried to do in the nineties when they like fucking made Batman and Wolverine into one superhero or. Well, I, I don't recall that one, but I mean, there was a bunch oh. of cool crossovers I remember back in the day um, where they would do shit like that. The, the Incredible Hulk versus Batman, stuff like that. Uh, okay, so you, you're, and you're specifically talking about like <laughs> Marvel and DC and Image and all of that going crossing over with each other, right? Cross, just, yeah, just, just a hot crossover, man. I'm not trying to box you. Okay. Here. Yeah, uh, let me, I'm trying to think of like, I remember. Batman vs. Predator was fucking actually a pretty cool read back in the day. I was there was like three books to that, right? I think I had yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. You're right. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of all right. So there was Bat, and obviously you know, fucking Aliens vs. Predator. But that was in that was basically under Dark Horse. Comic book was better uh, than the movie. I'll give you that. Uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah man I feel like I could have I could have wrote a better movie when I was fucking I was like ten years old. <laughs> I probably could have. <laughs> well wait, yeah, wait no, where, I feel like I did with my fucking GI Joe guys. Where do you where do you sit with the Alien movie? I don't even talk about Alien vs Predator. I talk about 
Prometheus, uh, um, Covenant, and then the then the four Alien movies. Where, where, what's what's your um, your hot take on those movies? Uh, first two are fucking epic movies. The third one gets a bad rap, but I kind of like that movie too. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, the one on the yeah the one on the prison planet. I actually you know fucking I, I like that movie. I like I like the idea of having no weapons. Uh, you know, it kind of brings it back to the first one instead of the second one. It's interesting. Which is more like a like a like a war movie almost. You know. Yeah. Well, the second one is more like one of those blockbuster action movies, and then the, but yeah. But but let's 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 get to the beef. Alien Resurrection. What's up? Alien Resurrection. I didn't I didn't like it in the theater. I keep trying to revisit it. Uh, I I just it doesn't it doesn't speak to me, man. You know, I'm not. I don't really like it, and I don't think that the ideas are terrible. I just, uh, I mean, I, I just feel like it's schlocky. It well, it, you know, good what? word, good word. I agree, a hundred percent. I I do agree. You kind of summed it up. I agree because I was gonna say I I love it, but I love it for how silly it it is. You gotta have it like make a nice it. cheese plate and watch it because yeah. you gotta keep yeah. in mind the, the, the friend <laughs> yeah, Jean Pierre Junet who directed. I, like, it. I don't know. I I can't. <laughs> like I don't wanna. I don't wanna not like it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I mean, it has like some cool ideas, like yeah, the yeah. whole there's, like there's cool like ideas. the fucking you know like the, the I like the guy who made it is the guy I believe who made fucking Delicatessen, which I love. Yeah, Jean Pierre Jeunet. Yeah, yeah, City of Lost Children, and like mm-hmm. I'm like oh, I want to like this movie, but it's just I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just got like a it, it just it just it doesn't fucking speak to me. Very early two thousands. Very very campy. Um, but yeah, I think it was like even in the mid nineties, wasn't it? Or like the oh, mid, it was the late. late you're like right. It was the late nineties. Yeah, the late nineties, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I enjoy it, but it's one of those things where I enjoy it, but if people don't like it, I'm not going to blame them. It's like the butthole surfers. You know what I mean? Like I get it. It's yeah. not for everybody. <laughs> um, I learned but, all my French from Jean Pierre Genet movies. Uh, I know as much as Ron Perlman. <laughs> I, I learned all my French from Brodekin. That's that's it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> good reference. Oh, tie it back in. So so to segue back to tie it all in, Mikey. I wanted to get back into comic books for this because, as I said before, uh, I asked you if comic books and, and that sort of culture has played a big influence on the way you write and the kind of aesthetic in your bands. False gods, and maybe we'll just even limit it to no symmetry, only disillusion. If you had to okay. pick uh, a comic book or a comic book series and a movie or a movie franchise that, that you say influenced or in some ways adjacent to the to the vibe and the lyrics on that on that album, uh, uh, talk about it. What would they be? Uh, okay. That's a that's a fucking pretty interesting question. <laughs> uh, if I had to pick a specific Story to have that would go with the feel of that record, uh, possibly, possibly fucking Arkham Asylum, man. The wow. fucking the Graham Morrison book, the the graphic novel, right? The nuts one, yeah. right? That's really dark. Oh my god, Mikey, you're bringing me yeah. back. I my my uncle bought that for me. I guess thinking it was an innocent Batman comic many years ago when I was a kid, and it fucked up my whole no, life. No, it is absolutely not. That Arkham Asylum, yeah, that that to anyone listening, if you if you're getting turned on by the comic book conversation, that Grant Morrison Arkham Asylum graphic novel yeah. is dark and crazy and very very extreme metal adjacent. Wow, wow, good answer, yeah. good answer. That's why I asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that that 
that might be kind of the almost hallucinatory feel that mm. we were going for on that record would be the, something of that vibe. Interesting. I always wish that they would, because, you know, to be honest, I don't want to open up the whole the whole Pandora's box again. I've been a bigger fan, in general, of DC movies than of Marvel movies, like the last 10, 15 okay. years. And that's, you know, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not counting every movie, you know, every which way, but in general, I, you know, I like the Dark Knight trilogy. I like... You know, I, I like a lot of the stuff that they did, but, but, um, uh, and I always, you know, when I'm, when I bring that up, the Arkham Asylum book, if they ever wanted to make a movie about that, that would be amazing. But, um, we'll see. Yeah, but they would, yeah, but they would not be able to let children in the theater to see. Well, yeah. no, they would have to get the guy who did, um, uh, a Serbian tale to do it, right? Oh, my was, God. Yeah. They, oh, my God. Yeah, get, get yeah, Serbian, a Serbian film? Yeah. Yeah, get, get that guy to do Arkham Asylum, and then I will just call it quits, all right? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking, that is a fucking bonkers idea. Oh, man. Shout out to Adam Rotelli. He'd, he'd be there. He'd love it. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so Mikey, you know, I brought up um, people can go to band, uh, False Gods. They can check it out on Bandcamp. You got the three EPs and the latest album, No Symmetry, Only Disillusion, which I want to I want to listen to now while reading Arkham Asylum. And I wanted to read off, um, you know, you guys, all your bands throughout your history, really, and False Gods, no exception, have been um, uh, uh, really busy um, uh, playing live, prolific live performances. You're, you know, you're, you're one of those guys who makes a point to get out there almost every weekend if you can uh, before the yeah, pandemic absolutely. and play live. Yeah. Queens, Brooklyn, Long Island, traveling out of state, doing what you got to do. I always respected that work ethic. And that being said, I bring it up because I want to plug a few videos you guys have done um, uh, throughout the last year or so, the pandemic or slightly before it, people can go on YouTube and look up a lot of stuff. Uh, Cult Nation uh, debuted the uh, official music video for Enemy Territory, which I really enjoyed. Uh, that I think I recognized the setting. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah me acting a <laughs> fool in my own house. Yeah, yeah, man. It was, <laughs> and it was, it was good to see one of your dogs at least, man. I miss your dogs too, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys also participated in Metal Injection Slay at Home. You contributed a live track recorded uh, at Rock and Roll Gas Station. Our buddies over there at the studio. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Actually, I feel like uh, it's funny because I had been fucking uh, religiously working out for some reason that whole time, and then I saw myself in that video, and I was like, God damn, I do not look like I have been working out. I look like a fucking <laughs> super fat guy. Work, work, <laughs> yeah. Just working the beer out of those cans every which way you can, man. <laughs> it, it's all good, man. I'll, I'll be in the next. We'll do a duet, and that way you can just stand next to me. It'll, it'll, it'll it's, it's slimming. <laughs> uh, and and also you got the lyric video for Lords of Emptiness, and two. I guess we'll just say maybe animated videos for Stay Frosty and They Who Speak to the Lost. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. Yes, they, well, they, you speak of the loss was on the on the, one of the old records. Yeah, yeah, but, I, I was just I, I I took it all down in my notes yeah. today, so I figured I'd, huh. re, I'd read it off. But just just the to, you know, you're a band that people um, would know as a prolific working live band before all this uh, pandemic, and I think it's it's admirable at yeah. least that there's a lot of content that's been delivered, um, and you it, it speaks to how you guys still get together and work hard as a band behind the scenes. A lot of bands can't get together now because they're spread out and things like that. Yeah, I mean, we try to we try to do something. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. I guess there's a a, a a void a void to fill in there. You know what I mean? Like, I I yeah. miss I miss fucking playing live. That shit is 
why I do this. You know what I mean? It's fucking super fun. You know? yeah. And then, like, now I'm be, I'm be not able to do it. I mean, you got to fill your time. You know, it's like, all right, well, we'll you know, we'll make a video or a fucking, you know what I mean? We'll fuck shoot a vi video with a, us jumping around in my fucking basement <laughs> like a bunch of fucking jabronis. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> something. You got you to gotta fill it with some type of content, I guess. Otherwise, you know, yeah. like, to just fucking... I mean, not to say that I'm not going to just eventually fucking, you know, fucking float into obscurity, but I like to do my best to prevent it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I <laughs> man, you're speaking my language now, man, because, cause it, <laughs> yeah, I, I miss playing live too, man. We'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> and, and I hope to play shows with you again uh, one day, my brother. Uh, so, so Mike, you let, you know, like we said, for the listeners, go to Bandcamp, check out all the False Gods releases. Um, Agony Kings was on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, yeah, they're on there. Yeah, what does they're it... on there on Spotify and such? Yeah, so Agony, if you want to check out Mikey in the context of a more traditional, uh, old school hardcore punk band, Agony Kings, <laughs> formerly What Doesn't Kill Me, highly recommended. Shout to Sherm, Bobby, and Suzuki. Uh, and, and also shout to um, shout to Bro Town, shout to Nick Luizzi, Johnny Gearak, Greg March, uh, Paulie yeah. Stack, every the whole crew, and shout shout to your family yeah. and all your friends. I miss everybody out there and your dogs. Actually, believe it or not, Johnny uh, actually is. I think he's mo he's moving away. So mm. we actually fucking uh, got Devin from Locus, who used to play in Locus Mortis. He's actually fucking playing with wow. us now in, fucking, well, in False Gods. Well, I got to wish Johnny the best. I'm a little sad to hear that, but Devin, a uh, good guy. Always liked Devin. Uh, always thought oh, that... Oh, great guy. I, I remember the la I believe it was the last Locus Mortis show. Um, it, it was, I think it was at Vitus. We were there. We just started the podcast. And yeah. We, uh, we did an on-the-spot yeah. interview with the boys. Um, I don't even know if we published it because the ice machines were so loud. Yeah. We I didn't. Know. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we might have put it out. You'd have to go back. I, I, we might not have. I, I, you're right. Yeah. But I, either way, that's great to hear because I always, I always liked Devin, thought he was a good kid, and he had good chops, man. So that's great to hear. And it's, it's just, again, it's funny to hear how you're still pulling from that pool of that generation and that crew of musicians, those younger guys. Because they're, yeah, all, they're yeah, all part man. of the I mean, same you know, clique. They want to they do it. I'm cool. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I can't do it. Well, to them, to them, I would say you're signing up with a, with, um, you know, with a good crew, man, and you could learn a lot. Uh, and, and it's been great talking to you, Mike. Um, we're, you know, uh, uh, finishing up here... Uh, we're going to give the opportunity to say anything and plug anything you want um, afterwards, but we always finish up, like I told you, by asking the guests to recommend one newer album and one older album by anybody you like, just to recommend something for for us and for the listeners. Uh, okay, uh, you know it's funny. I was you know I was thinking about that, and newer. Uh, I've been unable to put down this band uh, Gygax. Named after fucking Gary Gygax, the guy wow. who fucking created D and D. Okay. Uh, and they just put out a, a new record. Uh, shit, hold on one sec. I gotta fucking give me one second. I gotta look at the name of it. You got you got consult the monstrous <laughs> manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something silly, but. I fucking remember the, now. I can't remember the name because I feel like I, like I'm put on the spot a little bit, and <laughs> I have a hard time thinking. I told you yesterday you had to do this, man. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fucking funny. High fan. High, the name is High Fantasy. Oh, figures. Gygax High Fantasy. Wow. 
I, I, I like that it's it's so it's, it's they're just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah, high fantasy. I can't put it down. It's like got like a fucking uh, like a thin Lizzy kind of feel. It's fucking just mad fun to listen to. All about fucking Dungeons and Dragons, which you know obviously <laughs> never get, never gets old. Awesome, you know? man. Especially to someone who's fucking you know talking about comic books, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what it all comes. <laughs> that's what it all comes down, to. and that's that's the newer one. Yeah, it's the newest okay, one. It's just, we'll it's just a fun, fucking fun ass record. You know what Sounds I mean? Like and it, uh, older stuff. Uh, you know what I've, I've been spinning a lot lately is uh, that band. I think they were from Maryland. They were like a hardcore band. They played with Tension a bunch of times called Torn Apart. Huh. And they have a record called Nothing Is Permanent. Yeah. And yeah. I cannot get enough of that fucking record. That they would do kind of like an early metal, like metal infused hardcore, but they, but then they would yeah. kind of like have like death metal vocals sometimes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if it's that. I gotta go back and check. I have a CD of theirs I, I bought somewhere a long time ago, man. That's cool. All right, interesting, man. Yeah, I remember I saw at at I believe it was at the Huntington VFW in like 1996. Yeah. Or maybe '97. It was. It was like they played, tension played. Uh, I think a day in the life played, and uh, like they fucking. Uh, I remember specifically my friend fucking Jared. Like we fucking saw him, and as soon as they were done, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go buy that CD." You know <laughs> what I mean? Like instantly. You know, and I and we just been since he since he bought. Well, he you know he because he bought it, so I had to tape it off of him. Yeah, but that's how it went. I, I've been unable to stop listening to that CD since fucking since the mid '90s. I gotta go back and revisit that band because I remember yeah. a lot of pe- a lot of my hardcore friends recommending them to me because they had a death metal influence in some some parts. Man, that's cool, man. And and J- Jared was uh, Jared's your Marine friend, right? Yeah, he's in the army. But yeah, no, yeah, my, yeah my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah, Jared. Jared <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. People, people take that shit seriously. Jared's your <laughs> army friend, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, shout out to Jared. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, so uh, now, like I said, Mikey, um, thank you for those uh, recommendations. Uh, Torn apart, a really good one. Uh, now I got to um, uh, give you one more opportunity. Did is there anything else we didn't plug or bring up that you want to address? No, man. I mean, you know, there's only yeah. Uh, I get like uh, you know, like weird and modest with this shit. So I'm just like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I feel like. I feel like you know you 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 know you talked about the stuff, so I'm I don't want to, I don't want you know I don't want to seem like like douchey here. Like, All you right, know, I just I'm just I'm just thankful for you guys for having me on. You're good people, Mike, and your family. Man. <laughs> it's like the Olive Garden when you hear your family. Uh, and, and better to be weird and modest than weird and pissed off. Shout to Bobby. That's a little Long that was Island. A nice segue. Yeah, a little Long. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with the segue. That was a, that was a special Long Island hardcore flavored segue. Uh, not everyone knew that one. But uh, Mikey Stack uh, of False Gods, and as we said, of many other groups that you've been involved with in the past. Uh, we appreciate you, brother. It was great catching up with you and talking to you a little bit, man. Um, uh, we we got to do this more often. Uh, and and not record it uh, and and just hang out eventually. But thank you for being on the show. And again, we recommend that all the listeners check out False Gods uh, on Bandcamp. Um, not just the previous EPs, but the most recent 2020 album, No Symmetry, Only Disillusion, produced by Colin Marston. Yeah, man. Yeah, awesome. Yo, thanks for having me so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome, dude. brother. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, well, we'll be in touch, man. I'll be in touch, and I'll let you know when we put the episode out. Okay, brother. All right, cool. Thank you so much, guys. All right, give my love to everybody, man. Be right. good. Yeah, have a good night. All right, you too, Will. Take it easy, brother. Talk to you All later, right. man. See you, Mike. All right, later, guys.
All right, thank you very much to our guest, Mikey Stack of False Gods, Long Island's Doom Hardcore Crossover Monsters. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate his time. Again, they can go on, um, uh, the listeners, you can go on Bandcamp, uh, check out False Gods. Uh, their three prior EPs, and especially their 2020 full-length, No Symmetry, only disillusion, as we mentioned, produced by Colin Marston. I really enjoyed listening back to that today, and it's it's a great uh, full length. Yeah, yeah I'm great full just proud of my friends, man. They really, you know, really something brilliant that stands out. Um, and I don't just listen to it because they're my friends. I listen to it because it's good. I believe. Yeah, you. yeah. I believe. Pretty you. much. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well. That's it. I'd listen to it because it's fucking good. <laughs> now, listen. I want you guys to tell me about something good too that I can listen to, and you don't even have to be friends with them. You don't even have to know the people. They they can even be assholes for all I know. Just recommend me some good music. Uh, I'm your friend, and I have some uh, not friends of ours that I'll tell you about right now. Okay, sweet. Uh, future friends. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's a future friend. Mm-hmm. We're all gonna meet up one day in that big mosh pit in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Be shaking hands yeah. and picking up change off. It's the probably more of a merch table. What, <laughs> Justin? <laughs> what selection do you have today? From that futuristic heavenly merch table in the sky. It was up there. You float up onto the clouds in St. Peter's, yeah. sitting behind that merch table, and you're like, "I only got ten dollars." And he's like, "Well," and he's like, "No, I'm not." I'm, he's, he's like, "I'm not selling the merch for God. I'm selling the merch for for this like, sure for this saints over here. You got to wait till God comes back." He's yeah, in the bathroom. they got to finish their set. Okay. Okay. I just have like a sticker though. All right. Uh, so uh, check it out, guys. Um, my recommendation this week: I have. Uh, Hot hot bands assimilation mm. uh, for Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, Canada. Okay. Uh, their new album, "Tainting the Purity," uh, very cool. I uh, heard this on their Bandcamp, uh, assimilation or some it's some it's some deal like that. Uh, yeah, assimilation Vancouver Vancouver. I I'd actually ran into this one like a day before we talked about it. Yeah, very cool. So uh, this is a really tight. Shreddy, thrashy, uh, death metal, uh, very classic sounding, um, uh, super honest recording. Uh, yeah. I really love the the guitar tone here. A uh, little remnant of like a deicide kind of kind of sound going on. Very fast, very tight. Um, everything's super clear, melodic. You know all those things that, that I love about uh, guitar focused uh, death thrash. Um, Reminds me a little monstrosity here or there. You know, it's definitely some Florida elements going wide from gambit of influences yeah. here. Uh, they do even this little sort of uh, uh, staring through the eyes, a little cannibal corpsey kind of thing going on. But uh, you know, I yeah, I showed this this record to Tom uh, yesterday. He had seen it the day before. I had seen it that day, and uh, I went and bought that cassette, waiting for that lime green joint to show up in the mail. Very excited about it, and. Uh, I, I want to sink into this a little bit more, man, but I felt like I had to uh, bring this to your guys' attention. Uh, these riffs are beautiful. Uh, the whole presentation, uh, very, very tight, very well done. Man, it, there are some parts in here where I'm like, the, the like some of the power chord movements and the, and the, the grooves going on remind me a little like psychropticy. Uh, yeah, very busy like that. Yeah, but uh, a, a clean, honest, fucking heavy joint out of Vancouver, man. I like it a lot, so uh, check it out. Assimilation. Tainting the purity. Yeah, really busy, man. They don't slow down, really. Tainting.
for Birmingham, Alabama, down south. How you doing, guys? We got Black Hole Deity. This was really good. You really threw me for a loop with this one. In my exploration, uh, finding something that is this well packaged is always a treat. Firstly, I got I got shout out Mike Heller, the drummer of this. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like he's one of those musicians. Like I, I would put Phil Tuga, Kevin Paradis, these kind of guys who have so many projects. Um, if you get one of those guys in your projects, you kind of have a super group without having a super group. The, the drums really sound so good too, mm-hmm. man. Really. They, they captured a great drum sound. It sounds real. It doesn't sound like totally quantized and triggered to death, but yeah. it sounds solid and precise. You can hear the reality and, and the organics of his drumming. And um, and what uh, a project and what songs for him to be drumming on. It's a beautiful sounding recording. Huh? They seem to just play like a band really well. And I'm going to also attribute this to um, the bass player. And, of course, all the shit we talk about, these these guys are bands playing well, but this just feels like uh, the energy is um, uh, seems organic enough. You know, heavily distorted guitars and shit like that still can get peeled back to the essentials of just playing in the same room. I don't even know if they actually did that, but it sounds like that, and that's mm-hmm. it's great. I um I was listening to a band. I'm not going to mention the name because I was listening to a band's uh, recent release the other day, a newer band. And it, to me, it was like they hit all the marks, but it was just kind of paint-by-numbers death metal. It was good, and it was like DSI and Morbid Angel, and you know, it was, but it just it didn't do anything for me. They just kind of hit hit the numbers and did it. And I then I, and then I listened to this, and I'm like, this does it because both bands had um, were solidly in death metal tradition. But the difference and what sets this apart from the pack of many bands that don't do it for me, these guys have uh, such an attention to detail. Um, they have a real signature style in the songwriting, the leads, and I guess maybe the more uh, harmonic lead, like um, uh, guitar flourishes, and uh, even like the the clean part, the atmosphere that they build. There's just so much personality in this man. Mm, it's yeah. it's it's steeped in death metal tradition. Uh, like Justin, you know the last band you talked about. You mentioned Monstrosity. Like it's there, Monstrosity, Deicide, Morbid Angel. They hit those strides, but um, in doing so, they're not just like I said, painting by numbers. These guys have so much personality and passion injected into that more traditional death metal framework. It's it's this is a beautiful release for sure. Yeah. So I. Uh I actually forgot to even mention the actual release we're talking about, which is Lair of Xenolich. Um, it's their EP from 2021 out on Everlasting Spew Records. Yes. So that's what we're talking about right now. The band Black Hole Deity. Check it out. Who produced this? It looks like Mike Heller actually mixed and produced it. And, uh, oh, Lassie Lambert did the uh, mastering and guitar reamping. Well, shout to that. I just asked because this is a handsome-sounding death metal recording. This is one for the headphones. For sure. Yeah. So check it out. Enjoy it. Black Hole Deities, Lair of Xenolich. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could steal this and make it my recommendation, but kudos to you, Tom. You brought this to my mm-hmm. attention. I did it.
All right, gentlemen, I got a confession to make. I'm not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i going to be listening uh, once again to this uh, brand new tape I got. Um, Kyrios, Kyrios, I, I'm going to mispronounce it. K-Y-R-I-O-S. Uh, Hell of a right. logo. Yeah, um, great logo, really beautiful logo. Uh, with their debut EP, I'm going to say EP, maybe it's an album or a demo. It's got three um, complex tracks on it. Saturnal Chambers by K-Y-R-I-O-S, Kyrios. Um, allegedly a band that may or may not have connections to our own Long Island. Mysterious individuals behind this project. Uh, uh, phantom-like uh, not fully focused when they take the picture of them type of guys in this band. Okay. But, yeah, I know a few friends like that. Yeah, creepy names that probably aren't on these guys' birth certificates. It's that right. type of thing. Mm. There's synthesizers and keyboards that play here. Well, you know, whenever you're using synthesizers, yeah. you shouldn't use your real name. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Eno, what happened? Come on, guy. <laughs> um, no, look, seriously, all kidding aside, uh, uh, Caligari Records uh, released this beautiful tape and CD just recently. I actually purchased it from Sunshine Ward Recordings, uh, a distributor and label based out of New Jersey. It feels like there's a lot of really great up-and-coming tape labels slash distributors right now. Yeah. And I just talked about two of them. There's others that we'll get into, but uh, I had to bring up those two because Caligari released it, Sunshine Ward distributes it, and I bought it. And um, uh, what a beautiful release this is, man. Just... I, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm tempted to name a couple of things to compare it to, but it doesn't sound exactly like anything. They kind of have a signature style. They're breaking some new ground. It has elements of creepy, old, atmospheric death metal and black metal. Uh, there are, like I said, keyboards. Uh, and not just your little, I'm going to I'm gonna do a little open chord keyboard to have, emphasize this one riff. I mean, the, the keyboards seem very integral to the writing here. Um, there's breaks with just atmospheric keyboards. Layered keyboards. The keyboards are a part of the band here. Yeah, mm-hmm. once you step beyond the realm of pad work only, you're making a statement. Yeah, this is, you know, something I got into and I do plan on covering on the show more. Uh, I stepped into the dungeon synth world a little bit more this year. I've always been aware of it. I've, you know, I've checked out your Mortise and some of your other artists and things like that, but. Uh, I really had a, a period this past summer into the fall where I was listening to a lot of Dungeon Synth and exploring that more. And I got to say, this uh, uh, this recording satisfied some of that uh, um, that that really dark keyboard driven atmosphere that is adjacent to black metal. Uh, it really adds so much to this recording. And if I got to compare it or contrast it to anything, I'm just gonna say that this fills a similar void in my heart. As um, uh, to be poetic, as some of the classic old school Norwegian bands before they really explored that second wave black metal. I'm talking about Dark Throne, Soulside, Journey, um, maybe even Obtained Enslavement's early work, uh, and some of that stuff when those mysterious Norwegian bands were still in the cryptic death metal phase uh, before they got into black metal. I don't want to say that this sounds exactly like that or it's a tribute to that, the way the OSDM bands kind of ape entombed or anything. This is in its own world. This is in its own category, uh, and it deserves a lot more attention than, than it's been getting. Uh, great stuff. Definitely cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I actually I, I lit a candle. You could go to IG Live. I, I put a candle while I listen. It, no, well, Justin, you have a 
you have a black candle in kind of an ornate dish. I lit a uh, a tea uh, candle, real edgy stuff. Clean linen scented candle oh. from <laughs> uh, the Dollar Tree. Nice, but you know, it, it, my room smells very nice. I had, I do have a cat that I take care of. You know, of course, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you were enjoying this in the atmosphere yeah. aesthetically. Yeah, my I, my cat. I when I put this on, I think of my cat as a familiar. In in oh, Wicca wow. terminology, you I know. think that we need we need to start another podcast now. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah Big Will's Wicca. <laughs> okay, before we go off the rails, uh, check out this Kyrios Kyrios K Y R I O S uh, Saturnal Chambers on Caligari Records. Uh, beautiful release, man. And shout out to the boys who are in it. If I know them, maybe I don't. I don't know. Well, we've been sitting here for like a half hour listening to this on loop. Uh, I'm editing that down, of course, but man, uh, I, what a good release. I'm so, I was drooling. I'm, I got to wipe my... Give me give me that McDonald's napkin that we wrote Mikey Stack's number on at the beginning of the episode. Oh, you like how I bring... That's that's called bookending, and it's adjacent to segueing. All right, guys? Yeah, it's wrapping it up. Bing bong. Okay? I'm not a well-educated man. It's just in my blood. Oh. All right. Uh... Thank you, though, to Mikey Stack. Speaking of blood, uh, the Stack brothers over there, Mikey Stack and Paulie Stack, holding it down in False Gods. Uh, And shout out to the additional Stack siblings. Like I said, I'm not going to put people's personal life on blast and all that, but uh, it was really great keeping up, uh, catching up with Mikey because um, over the years, uh, you know, me and the Buckshot Facelift guys and him and his family and his bandmates, uh, we've always uh, been tight, and um, you know, it was really good to catch up with an old friend on the podcast. And it's always good to see False Gods doing their thing out there. Uh, you know, you always want to support your friends' bands, but it's that much sweeter when your friends' bands are really fucking good. So, um, uh, shout out to Mikey Stack and False Gods. Uh, I hope you got a little bit of that conversation. Really good to touch on comic books. Uh, something that we didn't talk about so much on this podcast yet. No, I think that's a first for us, really. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things that is adjacent to metal, but it, you know, it doesn't really. It's not always in there. It's just kind of always, uh, you know, it's something that a lot of people like, uh, you know, at the same time as metal. Um, but I'd like to explore that more. Maybe maybe we'll do. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the old heavy metal comic books and stuff like that. I just um, read the funny pages. Yeah, I'll see you in the funny papers, like guy. Garfield. Listen, before I see you in the funny papers next time, guy, before we sign off, uh, if there's somebody you've been seeing around, the funny papers, the sports section, whatever it is, and you don't like them, you want to bitch about them, you want to vent about them, uh, you, don't like, you don't like me, you don't like Big Will, you don't like Tom and his new bandana, what's going on? You don't, well, like, you know. you don't, you don't want to hear about Justin's weekends anymore. You liked it the old way. Uh, <laughs> call, call, call us up and vent. Call us up and talk about that band that you don't like that Big Will is too polite to talk shit about. What's the phone number, Tom? 631-837-3274. Yeah, that's the that's that's Big Will's bitch line, all right? That's- so, so when I was younger, uh, you know, I used to collect baseball cards, and uh, 
I was going uh, through my dad's stash of baseball cards, mm. and he had um, the complete set of heavy metal trading cards. Wow. So it was the characters from heavy metal, the comic book, wow. as trading cards. That's big. But there was a lot of boobies in there. Yeah, man. A lot that, of cartoon boobies. Those were big, too. I felt a little, yeah. you know, I was a young boy, saw these, felt a little funny about it. So I took a few. And they found, uh, you know, my dad found them in my room, and I had a talking to. Um, so it made me feel a certain way. And long, you know, basically the, the point of the story is that if I had a cell phone as a young child, then uh, I really, you know, because I had nobody to talk to about this experience or how it made me feel. Okay. But if I had a phone and a particular phone number or like a podcast or something to call into and like leave a voicemail about just how like sexually confused and angry I was at that time, maybe just uh, like. What's the phone number I should call? 631-837-3274. Thanks for listening, guys. I got to get out of here. <laughs> All right. Heavyholdpodcast.com. Uh, check out the Patreon. That shit is popping off. Uh, you know, we'll buy things with the money uh, or we just don't. So uh, check that out. Thanks for everybody who supports. Heavyholdpodcast.com slash shop. Get a patch. Get a shirt. Get both. Combine them together. Maybe you don't want to wear any of that shit. Maybe you don't want to go out in public and uh, p- and let people know that you listen to our podcast. I get it. I don't judge you. All right. Uh, you can support us anyway by going on Patreon and listening to our, uh, our bonus episodes in like a little earbud that's hidden underneath a hat, and 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 while you eat your sandwich in the back room of Subway, uh, you know, and, and pretend you don't like metal. I, I, whatever you do, I don't care. Do what you got to do. Live your life. All right. Same day delivery. You don't need Prime. We are just giving it to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. So there's also like a promo code on these shirts uh, that we forgot to tell you about. And I'm, listen, I'm just going to try and jog your memory. Maybe you know what it is. Uh, get 7% off uh, shirt patch and all the kind of stuff that you want to get at heavyholepodcast.com slash shop. And what is the promo code again? Because I think we're calling it fake, fake joke. joke. Bands. We were supposed to say it together. Damn, I know. I just, I, I, I laughed, and I also have to write it down so I remember it. You got to uh, go into hiding too, just like that listener, that Patreon pledge in the back of the subway station that's that's listening to us secretly without anyone knowing. You got to join them now. I am not well. Yeah. All right. Listen, I am well, uh, and I'm going to give you um, uh, a couple of these, uh, uh, you know, allegedly electric edibles. I want you to eat one. Call me in the morning. Can you do that? 